pursuing relationships, relationships on purpose. One of the things that our father wants is us become one. I want to do what pleases my father. We don't have to be instantly mature in everything to be loved. You got the love of God, you got the holiness of God. You got to marry the two because that's who and what God is. This is the Encounter Culture Podcast. Hello and welcome to the Encounter Culture Podcast, where we pursue relationship on purpose. I'm Josh Coat, hanging out with you today and really excited. Later on in the show, I'm going to be sitting down with the first lady of my tribe, Pastor Cindy Wormuth. We're going to be discussing being open-hearted and something about being open-hearted really it just means to lay down your life. It's to give your life away. It's to take the stance of Jesus in every opportunity that you find yourself walking in obedience to the father's will you know jesus always did what the father did he always said what the father said he said to philip when you've seen me you've seen the father and he's bought back the sonship the image that we were created for he modeled it well and he gave it to us freely by taking everything that separated us from the Father upon the cross and killing it once and for all. Hallelujah. That is the gospel. He brought us into sonship. He brought us back to where we began. He brought us back to where we belong and back to our source. Now we can boldly approach the throne of grace and receive mercy in our time of need. That's why we can come before the throne of God, just like Joshua, the high priest, did in Zechariah chapter 3 when he stood before the angel of the Lord and Satan stood at his right hand to oppose him. And the Lord said to Satan, the Lord rebuke you, Satan. It says that Joshua was clothed in filthy garments. He was standing before the angel. And it says the Lord answered and spoke to those who stood before him saying, take away the filthy garments from him. And then he said, I have removed your iniquity from you and I have clothed you with rich robes. This is a picture of the very presence that Jesus has brought us into. Because of his sacrifice, because of his blood, we have been redeemed and presented to the Father in his very presence, holy, acceptable, above reproach, without one single fault. You know that you're amazing and extremely valuable. You stand before the throne in heavenly garments. The mouth of the accuser has been sealed shut. The ritual garments that you showed up with have been exchanged, replaced with heavenly material you could not have provided for yourself. The life you now walk in, immaculate identity, divine doing, is all a gift, a decree from the throne. And that kind of rescue, that kind of salvation, sozo, completely healed, delivered, set free, kept safe and sound forever and ever, the only response to that is living open-hearted laying our lives down, fulfilling the will of the Father for His great pleasure, just like Jesus. I'm excited about diving into this episode. When I come back, Pastor Cindy Wormuth will be on with me. Have you ever had a dream? A dream so real, when you awoke, you somehow felt you actually experienced it? A feeling so strong, deep down you knew it was destined to come true. So you waited hoping someday it would manifest, saying, when, God, when? When will you do this? And as you waited, the dream slowly faded. What if dreams are a gift of intuition, glorious visions of premonition, inspiration, a flicker of the future fires of passion? What if, instead of waiting, we started praying, 
bathing our dreams in His anointing? What if we explored the possibilities of one day our dreams becoming history? What if dreams are given to us as motivation? What if God is saying, when, child, when, when will you do this? This is the Encounter Culture Podcast. Welcome back to the Encounter Culture Podcast, where we're pursuing relationship on purpose. Today in the studio, I have the honor of having the First Lady of my gathering place, my tribe, Pastor Cindy Wormuth, thank you so much for being with me today. Yeah, well, thank you for asking. I'm looking forward to it. We've been doing life together for many years. Um, mm-hmm. I first came to this area back in 2007. You and Pastor Dan were here for just two or three years before that. Yeah. Called down here from Michigan, where you had to just steward relationships and prefer people and really consider others better than yourself and humble yourself in a lot of different ways. And, and that takes the character and nature of God working in and through us. I've just watched your life. And, and your husband's life and what an inspiration you guys do relationship really well you're good mama and daddy thank you <laughs> and so good parents so yeah. um first of all for those that are listening that don't know who you are give a little background and where you've come from and what you're doing now okay well I was born and raised in Michigan, as was Dan, and we met at church camp, and then we kind of went our separate ways, and then we kind of got back together at Bible college, and then we went our separate ways again, because we both wanted God's will in our lives, and neither one of us at that age knew what God wanted for us and, and what we were supposed to be doing, what His calling exactly was. So we just felt like our relationship couldn't continue because if He was called to Africa and I was called to Australia, then, you know, we obviously we're not going to be together. And so I think that's probably the beginning of a relationship is understanding and wanting and desiring God's will for your own life first. Right. So our relationship, we both knew it just couldn't go any farther because we didn't know where God was taking either one of us. And so two years after that, we ended up reconnecting. I had moved to Kentucky and was moving back into Michigan, and I just gave him a call, let him know I'm back in town, and it just kind of quickly, we picked up where we left off and ended up getting married just like six months after that, and two years after that, we had our first baby boy, and then we had David and Zechariah, and then we just recently adopted Joseph Alakai, So we pastored 18 years in Michigan as lead pastors, and then we felt like the Lord just called us here. And so out of obedience, you know, we came down, and we're really glad we did. Yeah, we are too. (laughs) We're glad to have you here. Yeah, yeah. You've become a part of our family. And you to us. We had pastors oftentimes say to us, you shouldn't open your heart too much to the church congregation because the church congregation is not going to understand where you're at and it's just not good for you to do that and I don't know, maybe it was the heart of relationship or the desire for relationship, but I always disagreed with that. You know, when we first became pastors and they called us up on the platform to introduce us as lead pastors in Jackson. I started to walk up on the stage, and 
after about two or three weeks of just saying, boy, what does a pastor's wife look like? You know, and my picture of a pastor's wife was somebody who had it all together, 100%. Her hair was back combed, put up in a bun. She looked a certain way all the time. And she acted a certain way all the time. And I knew me too well to know that I'd, I'm like, I'm not sure I can, <laughs> I can do that. And so it made me really nervous to think about being a pastor's wife and failing miserably. I used to pray and say, God, let us hurry up and fail so that we can just get it over with and move on with our lives. You know, I mean, I was I was probably more fear-based at that time. <laughs> Although I loved God and that love for God, I think, you know, will always, it'll get us through the fears we have. Our love for God and God's love for us actually will get us through all of our failures, all of our regrets, all of our hurts. You know, He's faithful to heal us. And so for that, I'm grateful. But as I was walking up on the platform, I remember just straightening up my back, straightening up my dress that I had on and getting ready to put on a, what a pastor's wife would look like if she were to smile at the congregation, you know, kind of thing, and trying to put on a front, put on my airs. And I'm so thankful for the Holy Spirit because it was like he pointed his finger at me and he said, don't you dare. Don't you dare walk up on that platform and act like something that you are not. I've called Mm. you to be you. And if you put on this facade of perfection, he said, then you're going to discount everybody else who feels called. You're going to say to them, unless you're perfect, you cannot be called and used of God. Mm. And I mean, and that was on step one and step two, and then we're at the platform. And it was right then that the Holy Spirit began to just show me how important being open-hearted is. And I think right. that's what relationship is. It's not putting on an air, not putting on something that some we think somebody wants to see, but it's really being ourselves. And that's risky. That's vulnerable. Mm. That's scary. That can be hurtful because you, you put yourself out there for somebody then to judge you. You know, but when you think about how Jesus came to earth willing to be defiled by everybody else's judgments of him and ridicule and and everything like that. He was willing to come to earth. He was willing to become vulnerable. When whenever we mess up, we say, "Well, excuse me, I'm only human." Mm-hmm. You know, and we use the term human as if it's full of flaws. Right. But we have to go back and look at Jesus. Jesus was fully human. Right. Yet without sin. Yeah. He never messed up and said, well, excuse me, I'm only human. Yeah. I always like to say Jesus is not only an example to us, he's an example of us. Yes. He's, he's, he's the blueprint of what we were created to be, Yeah, the image of the Father. And so what Jesus did and said was always what the Father did and said, and that's what we were created to do. Yeah. So, so, so he is our example constantly. Yeah. You know, the fellowship between the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, there's our example, is looking at their relationship with one another. Jesus said, oh, that they would be one, even as you and I are one. You know, and Jesus also said... I only do what I see my father do. I only say what I hear my father say. And that's a oneness that if we can obtain with Christ, we will automatically then obtain that with one another. That's right. Yeah. You know, so that relationship between them 
is something that is worth studying about if you're really wanting to learn how to have successful relationships with others. Yeah. We did a blog not too long ago called Beware the Boundaries. And there's a lot of talk nowadays about boundaries and protecting your heart and not letting people in like you were talking about. And that never really uh, resonated in your own heart. Like that didn't seem right to you. And, you know, in Scripture, Jesus was all about laying down our lives for one another, preferring one another, giving ourselves away, even to our enemies, loving our enemies. You know, if they ask for your coat, give them your shirt, too. If they ask you to walk one mile, walk two. Yes, yes. And so... I would never condone staying in a relationship that's abusive or anything like that. But we should be more willing to suffer for others. And self-preservation is such a lie of the enemy. When we really open up our hearts to others, um, we find strength in that. Yeah. Yeah, and self-preservation pretty much leads to isolation. (laughs) Right, yeah. Because eventually you have to say, you know, everybody's going to hurt me. One one lady used to say in our church all the time up north, she'd say, I can't open up to people, they always hurt me. You know, and she, you know, sadly believed that lie that people were always going to hurt her. You know, one time I remember telling the Lord, I don't want to open up my heart and risk, because if I open up my heart and risk, I will get hurt. The Holy Spirit said to me, he said, have I healed all your past hurts? And I said, yes, you have. And he said, then I'll heal all your future hurts. So he didn't promise me that I would never get hurt again, but he promised that he would heal it. And he promised that I would learn. And as I've risked having relationships, and even when relationships went awry or they separated, you know, I would go to the Lord and say, you know, what went wrong? What went wrong? And he would tell me. And, you know, you learn from that. And, you know, I think one of the biggest gifts that God gave us was forgiveness. You know, we are supposed to risk with one another, risk hurting one another, forgive one another for hurting one another, so that we can learn what, what, True, you know, building one another up in love is all about understanding mm-hmm. one another. And forgiveness is one of the most powerful tools that He's given us to get us through hard times, hard relationships, be it our parents or with God Himself. You know, there are times that I've asked people who are so angry at God, I would just finally lead them and ask them, Will you forgive God? You know, and sometimes we think, well, if I forgive God, I'm saying he did anything wrong. But that's not really true. What we're really saying is I'm letting you off the hook for not doing it my way. Hmm. You know, right. and so, you know, the scripture says that the pure in heart will see God. Right. <clears throat> will see God. So the pure in heart is going to know and understand God. And if there's resentment or hate or anger, Wrath, you know, that's going to block us from seeing who God really is. And right, so right. it bears forgiving. Or even see others the way He does. You know, finding that godly perspective, finding the heart of the Father. You know, I've heard it said the Father always sees His children at their greatest potential. Yeah. And when we can see each other that way, we instead of being hurt by people, we tend to hurt for them. And we tend, to, we tend to go into intercession for them and really see them at their greatest potential. And when they're not living up to their greatest potential, we want to intercede and we want to um, just call on Holy Spirit to arrest their hearts and really start to transform them from the inside out. Yeah, 
Yeah. yeah. True compassion. Right. And wherever there's compassion, there are miracles. You know, you're, That's right. there's a miracle waiting to happen when there's compassion. Every time. Because the effectual fervent prayer of a righteous man avails much. And when we are fervently praying for that person who hurt us. Now, you know, there are some things that are hard to forgive. And sometimes that action might have been harder to forgive. It's bigger than what you can forgive. But the good news is, you know, who can truly forgive sin anyway except Jesus? Mm. So we can ask Jesus to do the forgiving through us. You know, and that lets us off the hook of feeling like we've got to muster up enough love when we've been defiled and abused greatly and severely. I mean, I mean, that's real for some people. You know, they cannot get over that. So how do they get over it? Lord, you do the forgiving through me. That's how we get over it. You do the work. Yeah. He looked down to his murderers and said, Father, forgive them. They don't know what they're doing. Because yeah. he saw them at their greatest potential. Yes. He saw them beyond what they were doing. And, you know, and that person who, who molested them or abused them or raped them, you know, they can draw their boundary. You know, it doesn't mean they have to remain in that person's life, but they can let go and forgive knowing that God always knows how to speak to them and that that's not their job to worry about. That's, that's God's compassion and love for that person. And so sometimes letting go is trusting God. Right. You know, I I think a lot of times we can't let go when we're not trusting God to do the job that needs to be done in somebody else's life. You know, it's not what's done to me that I'm going to have to give an answer for. You know, I can never stand before the Lord and say, it's that abusive person in my life that, you know, caused me to be this way. He's going to look at me with eyes of, I paid for that, though. I paid for that. Right. You know, he not only paid for my sins, but he paid for every sin against me. So when I'm not letting go mm. and I'm not forgiving, I'm really saying, God, your payment's not enough. Right. Jesus dying on the cross wasn't enough for me. They still need to pay. And boy, if that doesn't humble you, that thought. Yeah. I mean, that was the breakthrough for me when when I had a hard time forgiving somebody. And and I I did all the spiritual things I needed <laughs> to do, but the memories and the conversations and the incidences kept coming up in my heart and my mind and I got tired of the fight and and I told the Lord I said you know you promised abundant life not a fight all the time and I'm tired of fighting with my own mind trying to forgive this and that's when he spoke to me and he said Cindy I not only paid for your sins but I paid for every sin against you and when you don't forgive them you're saying my payment's not enough right so you know it it all goes back to like that song Jesus paid it all that's right you know there's there's nothing you know in earth that can be greater than what Jesus didn't already pay for. Right. You know, so I'm I'm not going to stand before the Lord and give an account for what was done to me. I'm going to stand before the Lord and give an account to how I reacted to what was done to me. Yeah. Am I going to continue in anger? Am I going to continue in hurt? Am I going to continue living with inner vows to protect my heart? Like, I will never love like that again, or I will never open up my heart again. You know, that's that's a stony heart, and it's not accepting God's payment. Yeah. 
You know, you mentioned the song, Jesus Paid It All, All to Him I Owe. Like he bought everything back. He yeah. didn't just buy back uh, the image of the Father. He didn't just buy back the lost son. He bought back our hearts. He bought back our rights. <laughs> yeah. He bought back our opinions, our personal yes. preferences. He bought it all back. And that kind of love can hang on a cross and say, forgive them. That yeah. kind of love doesn't keep a record of wrong. Yeah. That kind of love always hopes all things, believes all things, endures all things. And that's the love that he's given us to become. Yeah. We can become that. We've been given everything for that. And yeah. we can look just like our Father. We can yes, sound we just can. like our Father, just that's like awesome. he did. Yes, yeah. yes. You know, because that's what true Christianity is. We've been called to be human like Jesus. And that is to be open-hearted to all people all the time. Yep. And that one little sentence, as easy as it is to say, it's something you have to agree to do every time you get hurt. But again, God gave us forgiveness so that we could go on and remain open-hearted to all people yeah. all the time. We can receive from others, but we don't have to. Whenever we're, we're doing things as unto the Lord, we hear his applause. We hear that celebration. He's pleased with us. When we're doing things as unto the Lord, as the Bible says to, we can be used by people. We can be abused by people. We yeah. can be, we're not going to get used up. Yeah. If we're doing it as unto the Lord, because we're always going to receive his pleasure in, in yeah. our obedience and doing things. You know, I don't know how many times that I've just given myself away, not even considering how it's received or what kind of investment it is, or if I'm going to get a return on that, or if my expressions will be reciprocated or any of that stuff, because it's not for them, it's for him. And if they benefit from it, if they receive it, if all that, that's great. If not, that's great too. Yeah. You know? And if that becomes your joy and your delight then, you know, right. to give because it's your joy and your delight to do the will of your Father. Right, right. The joy set before Him. Yes. He endured the cross. He endured the cross. Wow. You know, when, you, when you're going through a really hard time, the best thing you can do is just identify with Jesus. You know, if you need to do something sacrificial or you need to remain open-hearted but it's becoming hard to you know you you have to go back to jesus in the garden you know he's stressed jesus was stressed and i don't think anybody has been as stressed as jesus nobody has sweated drops of blood from their glands right. you know like jesus did and yet he said i don't want to go through this but nevertheless, mm -hmm. not my will, but yours be done. You know, he wanted he wanted his will to be done, his father's will. Yeah. You know, I hear people say he could have just come down off the cross. He could have just, he had the power to do it. Even people said, if you are the son of God, just come down off the cross. But because mm -hmm. he had already made up his mind in the garden. And I believe that's what that yeah. struggle was about. It was about the mind yeah. and and considering the cost. You know how he yes. told his disciples, before you say yes, consider the cost. No man builds a house without considering the cost first, or he'll start to build it and not be able to finish it. So he considered the cost of going all the way to death. All the way. All to the death. way. He became obedient unto death, even that's the right. death of the cross. Yeah. And that's why there's a lot of times I will say, Lord, let my passions and desires die the death of the cross so that you can resurrect in me your passions and your desires. Yeah. You know, ours can sound good and it can sound noble, but, you know, we have to make sure that 
you know, it's not for our own self-righteousness or self-gain, but we just say, Lord, it's not about me. It's not about all the work that I put into something that it would work well, but it's that you would be glorified. So if there's something I'm missing, and I call all my passions and desires to death on the cross, and you resurrect in me your passions and your desires. It's a prayer I probably pray, especially every Sunday morning when we're leading, we're out there and we're leading and what are we leading people to? We don't want to lead people to ourselves, right. and we don't want to lead people to whatever we think they need. We can hear a story or two and understand that there are certain needs, but we want to be able to lead them to what God wants. You know, So we, I will pray, Lord, let all of our passions and desires for this service, our songs, the, the songs we've chosen, the program, the scriptures, the word, the message, let it all die the death of the cross so that you can resurrect in us your picture and everything that you want to do in that service today because that service is not ours. As hard as we worked for it, the service is yours. Yeah. It's been such a pleasure to have you with me today and talk about relationships and laying ourselves down and and uh, really just opening our hearts to one another. It's a it's something we need to talk about. It's something that people need to really decide in their own hearts how they're going to be toward others. And yeah. you're a great inspiration. I love having you on. Well, you've been a blessing to us equally. <laughs> so we appreciate you too. So if anyone wants to connect with you, uh, social media. Yeah. I have a Facebook page, you know, Cindy Wilson Warmuth, and I'm on Instagram, and all of the events and stuff that are going on, you can always find it at gfwc.org. Thanks again, Cindy. Yeah, you're welcome. It's so exciting to sit down with the First Lady of my tribe, Pastor Cindy Warmuth, hear her heart on relationship and living open-hearted to everyone all the time. We try to give you opportunities to do that, to build relationship, and to come together with other believers. Incense Rising, 24 hours of expression and encounter. We do that every quarter. We just had one this past weekend at Victory Christian Center in Carthage, Missouri. Another one coming up probably in late March, setting that one up now. So be looking at EncounterCulture.us for those upcoming dates on Incense Rising. Of course, House Fires happens twice a month at the Coat House. We just hosted one last night and another one coming up in a couple of weeks. You can find out when the next one is on the website as well. And Songwriting Session. Those are coming up as well. If you're a songwriter or a worship leader and you're interested in songwriting, stewarding the sounds of heaven right here in our own region for our own congregations, you definitely want to check out when that next one's coming up on December 15th, I believe it is. Get over to EncounterCulture.us and find out how you can plug into our community and live together in one faith, one spirit, one body, the body of Christ. Next week, I'm sitting down with John and Jen Kohler. They're missionaries to Mexico, and they are amazing people. They are stewarding relationship through counseling and through discipleship. You're going to hear from the hearts of folks that are doing it day in and day out, and it's going to be one you definitely don't want to miss. Next time, right here on the Encounter Culture Podcast. <laughs>